ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Monday, October 26th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can be a part of the program by calling the Miller Lite phone line at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, whole true great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. We're going to try to put that Marshall game away against FAU. I mean, it's already Tuesday in Doc Holliday's world. We'll have his presser a little bit later on in the program. Get his thoughts as we put a bow on that game and look ahead to FIU. That game coming up this Friday evening. We'll be on the air for it. We go on the air at 4 o'clock with our pregame. Kick's going to be at 7. You can listen to the game right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Of course, Marshall gets the victory over FAU 20-9 on Saturday. And very good performance. I think Grant Wells did well. A couple of touchdowns. You had 156 all-purpose yards and a touchdown by Brendan Knox. You had a few sacks uh, by the defense. It was a tough, hard-fought game. FAU is always going to be a tough opponent. They're not an easy out, so the Thundering Herd continues near-perfect domination over the Owls. Knox has now run for four consecutive 100-yard rushing games, and he has scored at least one rushing or receiving touchdown in each game this season. So he had a good performance. And the Thundering Herd now 5-0, 3-0 in Conference USA, more important that they are undefeated in conference still. A lot of prognosticators are thinking that Marshall has a shot at going undefeated. And if that's the case, Marshall will be playing for and possibly winning the Conference USA Championship game. Of course, you still have a lot of work to do to get to that point. Also, you're going to need a little help on the AP and the coaches poll, and you're going to have to see where the committee thinks you rank because after the committee comes out with its rankings – AP, I still stand by it, but it's a moot point at this point. Same thing with the coaches' poll because these rankings will not mean as much once the selection committee comes out with its rankings because this is where it's going to seed the playoffs. And so it will come out with its rankings, and you'll see where these teams stack up in the committee's mind or the committee, you know, what the general body consensus is. So we'll see where it's at. But right now, Thundering Herd, you can be you can be happy at least right now because Marshall is up to 18th in the USA Today coaches poll, the Amway poll with the coaches, and 19th in the Associated Press poll. So that comes out as something that Herd fans are taking to do now coming out on Sundays. So just scoreboard watching is something we do, and now we top 25 watch because Marshall is getting back to a point where the program wants to be very successful, winning the games in conference, getting a, a good game out of conference, getting an important win, and you beat a ranked opponent in Appalachian State, and that helped. And then the pollsters maybe – forgot about you for a few weeks, and then you start winning again when you have games and the pollsters remember you and put you back in. It's pretty good. 18th and 19th, that's pretty solid, strong performance by the Thundering Herd on top of that. And if Marshall can continue the winning ways, Marshall should be pretty solid. I don't know if Marshall's going to crack the top 10 here. I'm not going to go that far just yet. 
I mean, there's still some pretty good teams. And, of course, the way this season has been, uh, teams are being ranked that haven't played yet, or uh, you're seeing teams that are finally playing. We welcome the Big Ten back. And, of course, you know there will be some other games that will be happening soon from schools that we haven't seen play. I mean, I'm looking forward to some action, aren't you? Midweek MAC action. I mean, that's the one thing that's fun about the MAC. The midweek action. say what you will about it, ridicule it all you want, but you'll be watching. A lot of you will be. It's because it's fun. And what else are you going to watch on a Tuesday night? Are you going to play on Twitter all night or are you going to watch a football game? I think you're going to watch a football game. And so the Mid-American Conference is definitely uh, taking advantage of its situation. And you know what? With really limited to no fans, hey, it doesn't matter. Play this game. Play for TV. Play to the television audience. Uh, the Marshall basketball schedule is out today. We're going to get into that a little bit more throughout the show. We'll detour. It really... It's the conference schedule. We'll detail it a little bit more, but you know what Conference USA is doing now. It's come up with a plan where you're going to play your travel partner home and away, and then you're going to host four teams in conference, and you're going to be on the road for four games. And really, it's not four games. Think of it as you're going to be at, for example, you're going to be at FIU on January 21st and 23rd. There's no this. Okay, we're gonna play FAU on the 21st, and then say play FIU the 23rd. No, no, uh, it's going to be an 18 game schedule, and this is how it's gonna break down. The herds on the road at ODU, at Rice, at FAU. I'm sorry, at FIU, and at Louisiana Tech. So we'll break this one down for you a little bit later on the program. Uh, we have got Doc Holiday's presser coming up here later on the program, so we're gonna hear from him get his thoughts on the game. Basketball, of course, starting to heat back up, so a lot of people are excited. Don't know what that's going to look like just yet. The season's going to be completely different. ESPN making the announcement that it's canceling plans to host eight of its men's college basketball events at its location in Orlando, Florida. I mean, this came down to the testing protocols. I know there was a hang-up here as far as what ESPN and what Disney was looking to do. And really, ESPN and Disney, you would think, well, the schools have got the more stringent policy. No, Disney and ESPN, their testing policy was a lot more stringent. They wanted testing of individuals. The, okay, someone is tested positive for COVID, so some leagues are saying you don't need to test again for a certain amount of time, and that was a little bit looser than what Disney and ESPN comfortable with. I mean, give them credit. They hosted and put on an excellent bubble for the NBA. Say what you will about the NBA. Put all of that aside. The fact is they executed this quite nicely. And so these games were going to be scheduled for the ESPN Wide World of Sports Center for the uh, NBA bubble. It worked. NCAA a little bit different here. But this impacts right now at least – The Champions Classic, the Charleston Classic, the Myrtle Beach Invitational, uh, the NIT Season Tip-Off, the Wooden Legacy, the Orlando Invitational, the Jimmy V Classic, and the Diamond Head Classic. So uh, you're going to probably see some schools scrambling. You're going to see some maybe attempts to do these elsewhere. But I thought the guidelines, again, to each their own, to each conference's comfort level, to each conference's Guidance, this thing is going to 
be put together somehow as far as the basketball season is concerned. I mean, I I will be surprised to see that many games on the non-conference schedule for the Thundering Herd once it's announced. Because, again, this is the conference schedule that was announced, and we're going to break it down later on. Also, uh, we're going to get you set for Monday Night Football. We have got action coming up tonight. We'll tell you all about that. But when we come back from break, we're going to hear from Doc Holliday, his weekly conference. Going to wrap this one up between Marshall and FAU and look ahead to Marshall and FIU. Also, we'll get your comments on social media, Twitter, at Paul Swan is where I'm at this afternoon. Looking forward to your comments when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We're wrapping up Marshall's victory over the weekend over FAU 20-9. The Thundering Herd remaining undefeated in conference and overall. Marshall also moving up in the coaches and the Associated Press polls. Marshall 18th in the Amway USA Today coaches poll, 19th in the Associated Press poll. So it will default to Marshall's the 18th best team in the country on a lot of game notes. You always take the higher ranking. So if you're 18th and one, 20th and the other, you're 18. You take the higher number. So Thundering Herd doing well as far as with the pollsters are concerned. They seem to be impressed with Marshall or at least impressed with Marshall's efforts against Conference USA. And, of course, beating Appalachian State did not hurt. And you hope Appalachian State continues to have a great season to, again, justify that victory. But we're moving on now. FAU in the rearview mirror. You look ahead to FIU. It's going to be a little bit different. As you'll hear Doc talk about, it's going to be a little different because, one, these Florida games are important. You have a lot of kids are on the team. They're from Florida. Their families are in Florida. And Doc does well recruiting Florida And so this is an opportunity every year for those kids to go back home or at least go back close enough to home and the family can come down and and visit with them and see them if they can't make the trip on a regular basis to Huntington. And so that's going to be something that's a little bit different this year as far as how Marshall is going to approach this game. But we start with Doc Holliday setting the scene, setting the table for everything that's going on, including captains. And we'll go from there. Here's Doc Holliday. Just, uh, of course, captains this week uh, be Knox, Evans, and Madden on offense. Uh, on defense, we've got Beckett and Kobe. Uh, those guys have done a great – I think those guys uh, have all – I don't think. I know they've all been captains before. And you've heard me say many times, anytime you go on the road, uh, you're going to need great leadership and, and toughness. And uh, we'll have to take that on the road with us as well uh, when we head to Miami on Thursday. So – uh, that being said, you know, I think FIU is a lot like uh, – there's a lot not very similar to what I talk about FAU as far as having athletes all over the place. You're going to turn that tape on. You're going to see the same thing. Got guys that can run. You know, they played an undefeated Liberty team right to the wire. Uh, of course, played middle right to the wire as well. So, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to have our hands full down there, and uh, it's going to be all about preparation this week and us getting ready to go play and get better as a football team. So, we're excited to get uh, on the road and go down. It'd be a little different this year for us because normally whenever we travel there or Boca, you know, we always allow the families to come in and 
see the kids and all that. And uh, it just kills me to be able to have to tell a team that, you know what, hey guys, it's gotta be different this year. You know, we, we, when we get to that hotel, there's no way anybody can come in that hotel and see us and that type of thing. So that's gonna be a different deal we'll have to deal with. And uh, even after the game, you know, we'll have to deal with it after the game as well. So uh, something that uh, has been totally different, it is totally different because of what we're going through. But uh, like where our team is right now at this point, and uh, we just gotta continue to get picked this week and continue to get better. Doc, you mentioned that aspect and the players, you know, the Florida players look forward to that trip so much with the with the families coming in. I think it was a two or three hour window that you all gave them each trip, whether it's FAU, FIU. You know, how do you keep that from being a distraction that they are that close to their families and they can't go see them? Well, I don't think there's any question. I mean, and you just feel bad. You know, you feel bad that they, you know, they get a chance to get down there and some of their families are a couple of miles from where you are and they just can't come see them, you know. And uh, but you know what? You know, our, our kids have been unbelievable, to be honest, you know, handling the situation the way they have. Uh, you know, the other thing you talk about, I mean, they've been here since May, May 20th, you know, so it's been forever since, you know, of course, some of the families have been up for games, that type of thing here. But there's been a lot of them hadn't seen their family since May 20th. So, you know, it's different for a lot of the kids. I, I feel terrible about it as a coach, but there's not anything we can do about it. I think that and they, they understand that. I mean, they understand that, you know, we got to do whatever we got to do as a football team to try to keep this thing rolling. You know, and uh, they're going to do what we ask them to do. They have the entire time. This won't be any different. Doc, you know why uh, FIU's had a little bit of a struggle offensively this year as you look at them on tape? Well, I think, uh, you know, number one, there's been some players in and out of there, you know, like everybody else. I mean, you know, that being said, I heard FAU had X number of players. I looked out on the field and I didn't see that many players missing, you know, at FAU. And I think we probably had more kids out than they did, to be honest, when counting our injured guys. So, again, the one thing just, you know, COVID brings us is another lot of unknowns as well. I mean, who's going to play and who we're going to line up and see and that type of thing. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, they've, <clears throat> they've played three different quarterbacks, you know, so they're still trying to find that guy. And, uh, and all three of them are talented in certain ways. So we'll see where that goes. When you mentioned their offensive struggles and, and trying to find that quarterback and you all are, are, you know, in Grant's game, obviously his passing ability has opened up the rushing attack. It seemed like, you know, looking at Jacksonville State the other night, you know, the running game, which is a strength of FIU, never got going because they don't have that passing threat solidified yet. Well, you know, Butch, those guys are tremendous coaches down there, Butch Davis and those guys. And, you know, they'll, they'll get that figured out. I mean, in the Jacksonville State game, their best receiver didn't play. You know, that kid that transferred in there from Georgia that was a starter at Georgia at one time uh, didn't play in that game. So, you know, had some people out in that game. Their tight end was also out in that game versus Jacksonville State along with two offensive linemen. You know, so those guys are probably, when we get down there, they'll all be back. So I know Butch will do a great job of getting those guys coached up. And, you know, we just got to continue to do what we're doing defensively. And that's, uh, you know, play great defense. And and uh, we got to work hard this week because, you know, they're going, just like, just like FAU did, I mean, you know, if they don't, they, they got good players and they got skilled guys that can run and they got tremendous running back. And uh, so that being said, we've, we got to be ready to go play. This team, I, I know that you look and, and they've struggled to end the season last year and struggled again the season this year. But do you sort of reiterate, there's a lot of guys back from that team that took us to overtime in Huntington last year? No, there's no question. No question. And uh, that's like I say, you know, you just, uh, you know, a lot of guys back, as you mentioned, and, you know, they've added some guys. They got a guy started at Boise that was an all-conference player at Boise at linebacker. And they got uh, 
you know, guy played Kentucky and, and uh, a couple other Tennessee, I think it is uh, on the defensive line. And, you know, they got a lot of, you know, this, this graduate transfer market opened up. I mean, there's a lot of guys that fill a lot of holes with, with different graduate transfers from power five schools and they've done that. So uh, I can't imagine what's going to be trying to find what, what, what rosters look like next year when this other rule goes in, it's going to affect a lot of people. So, uh, you know, like I say, you don't know exactly what you're getting into when you get down there and see who's actually on the field. You know, we were looking pregame out there and trying to find out who the heck we were going to play against last week, and this will be no different this week. Doc, you look at, at La Tech, and it, it seemed like, you know, 14, 17 points were left on the field there, even though you got a comfortable win uh, last week. Again, you know, finishing opportunities, is that something that uh, – that you really hone in on this week just because you are going on the road and, and every point. There's no question, you know, Grant, when you get in the red zone, you want to score touchdowns, not kick field goals. I mean, obviously that's, you know, but I think there's some things that go into it a little bit as well is, you know, when you're playing the kind of defense we're playing, you know, you want to get down in that red zone, you want to walk away with points, you know, because if you continue to score points and you play great defense, you know, you got a chance to, you know, our, our defense is giving up nine points a game, you know, so. That being said, you know you don't walk you don't you don't want to walk out of that red zone without you know putting points on the board, and uh, we were able to do that a couple of times. With those field goals ended up being huge, you know, in that game. But at the end of the day, there's no question you'd rather you know you want to you want to score touchdowns, not field goals down there, and we'll work hard to get that done. Doc, with your blitz packages, uh, they seem to be perfectly timed on Saturday. I know you don't do it all the time, but uh, when, when you when you bring them all, I mean, it, it makes a difference, and obviously, kind of sets the tone for that defense. Well, there's no question. I mean, you know, Brad, and you got to give a lot, all the, you know, just so much credit to Brad and JC and that entire defensive staff. They've done a, you know, a great job of, you know, coaching those guys up. And, you know, the important thing is, is when you blitz, you know, you better get there because you're putting those safeties and those corners on Allen's out there and, you know, against good skilled players and, you know, to get the ball thrown over your head or get beat on a slant or a post or something and it goes for seven. So, you know, that being said, the important thing is, is once you, if you do blitz, that you do get pressure on that quarterback. We've been able to do that. And that, uh, in order, if we're going to continue to blitz, we have to keep doing that to keep, uh, you know, not put too much pressure on those corners and safeties who are putting one on one, really basically zero coverage out there at times. Doctor, have, go ahead, Jake. Uh, Doc, to have this team be put in some unfavorable situations last Saturday, uh, the margin of victory obviously a lot tighter than in games past, but. What did you learn from your team knowing that at one point you guys were trailing and then had to come back and, and well, win this game? I, you know, I told them all along. I said, you know, that, you know, the sign of a good football team is, and I mentioned after the game, is you got to find a way to grind one out at some point during the season. That's going to happen. Any, any team that is a really great football team at the end of the day, you probably look back on that season, there's one or two games you had to grind out and find a way to win. And, uh, you know, I told them I was probably, <clears throat> after that game, I told them I was probably more proud of them after that game than what I was any of the other other three game or four games that we had won because you walked in that locker room at halftime and there was no panic. You know, everybody just knew that they had a job to do and we had to go out and do our job a little better. And that's a sign of a good team. If you walk in that locker room at halftime, and <clears throat> even though you're up by one point and you got guys, you know, in disarray or pointing fingers or, or whatever, you know, you got problems. But there was none of that. I mean, all that all the, there was was encouragement and we knew where we were. We felt comfortable, uh, you know, we were confident that we were going to go out and play better in the second half and, and find a way to win that game. And when you get that kind of attitude on your football team, and and, and that's a lot of, that's, I mean, not a lot of it, it's all leadership. You know, it's all about leadership when those guys walk in that locker room and you got Knox and Sheldon and 
all those offensive linemen, all those guys grabbing guys and say, look, hey guys, we're, we're fine. Number one, we're winning, we're winning the game. And number two, we're gonna go out and play better. We're gonna find a way to win this game. So that, that's, that was really, really encouraging because you know, throughout you know, years, the last 40 years, I've been on some teams that you walk in there at halftime and say, oh, gee, we got problems, you know, but that wasn't the case at all. You know, we got great leadership. Uh, kids are taking ownership in this team. And when you've got that, then, then you know, you just don't panic. You just go out and play better. That's all. One guy we saw kind of extensively on, on Saturday that we hadn't seen that much was Joshua Bowers. Uh, what have you all seen from him that, that he worked his way into that rotation in the secondary? Well, he's number one. He's got he's just, he's got a, he's, he's he's a talented guy, you know, that, that can play. And you know, we saw that early on in camp. And you know, the issue we've had, and, and you know, I think probably we're gonna have Nazi back this week. I would think. You know, I think after today we'll get him back this week, which that allows us to get Gilmore back out at corner more because Nazi will then be able to play nickel, which will help us. But there's no question that Bowers has earned the right to play and play a lot more because of the way he played really well on. Uh, on Saturday, so that's that's good for us. That's good for us because that gives us two or three corners in there that they can uh, match up and, and give us what we want on the outside there. <clears throat> and Doctor, who credit to... for putting a, a six eight and a six eight six nine offensive lineman on extra point block? Who gets that credit? You or somebody else? Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, JC. I mean, JC Price does a great job with that, and uh, you know the great thing is those take you know. You, if you, you saw if you saw Josh Ball after that block, he was he he was um, I mean how how fired up and excited they are to be able to do that, you know. And you get Josh, our, our kids like it, you know. And but you know you put Josh and, and and Big Driscoll in there, and that's a problem, you know. He's about six nine, whatever he is, and I think he blocked it with his elbow, you know. So and he was awful close on the field goal, you know. If you think it was about like an inch or so on that field goal, so that gives us that creates problems for people in there and. You know, those kickers, you better get the ball up in there because if we can get any type of penetration at all, that's a big guy to kick that ball on top of. Doc, you look at, at Abraham Boplan, you look at Joshua Bowers, both a couple of Navarro College defensive players, and, and it seemed like last year you all uh, did pretty well at Navarro College. What, what did you see from the guys that were being developed there that really uh, stood out to you? Well, you forget, Shadid Ahmed was there as well, you know, and he's playing a lot of receiver for us, so – you know, Mike Trier hit a home run on those three. You know, he went out there and we went out there to see Bowers and came back with three of them, you know, and that was huge because, you know, and, and, and Charlie Gray's playing an awful lot of football and playing really well for us as well. So, you know, we hit home runs on those junior college kids, you know, all three of those guys along with Charlie Gray. And I think I mentioned, you know, I've mentioned, uh, I can't remember if this is talking to you guys or what, but, you know, over the years, you know, you look back, and the great thing about those all those JUCO kids that are in here, they didn't lose a year of eligibility. You know, those kids all got at least two, sometimes three years after this year, which is huge because normally at the end of the year, you look up like Arnold Blackman, some of those guys, you say, God, if that kid just had one more year, he'd been really, really special, and he was really good, you know, as a junior and a, and a senior. But, you know, these kids, uh, most of the time when you bring junior college kids in, they don't, they're not as developed as these three were. So that's a credit to Navarro, you know, which is the way they developed those kids, you know, at the junior college. And, and of course, Shadid only was there one year. You know, he was a qualifier out of high school. So he was only there one year and, but has, uh, you know, has three more to play here with us after this year. So he's a good young receiver as well. So like I said, you know, we hit a home run on those three guys and, and all four of those junior college kids you know, have been good to us. Doc, there. They're obviously winless down here, and you guys are unbeaten 
they're coming off an FCS loss. How, how do you keep your kids from falling into the trap that this on paper would look easy? How, how do you how do you avoid your kids from falling into those the human condition? I guess as some coaches might say, human element. Uh, I think, I think uh, at the end of the day, I mean, just look, look at the last couple games or even last two or three games that we've had against FIU. I think last year was an overtime game. Uh, the year prior to that was a one-score game down there that came right down to the wire. So every time we play these guys, it's a fight. And uh, at the end of the day, I mean, they've got players. I mean, turn the film on and watch them. I mean, they played Liberty that's undefeated, being close to being ranked, was right to the wire. Uh, middle was the same way, came right to the wire at the end there. Had a lot of players out versus had a lot of players out versus uh, you know Jacksonville State. Uh, probably will get those guys back. And uh, at the end of the day, you know Butch Davis, who I got great respect for, is a tremendous coach along with that staff. Will have those guys ready to play for us. And I guarantee you, I tell our kids every week. I mean, you you, you watch football every week, and somebody's going to get beat that shouldn't. And he's got to make sure it's not us. So I think the toughness and leadership that uh, have to you know, travel with us this week. If that doesn't happen, we'll get beat. And if we're not a prepared football team, we'll get beat because they're a very capable team that's well coached. Doc Holliday is a presser from earlier this afternoon. When we come back from break, we're going to hear from the other big coach at Marshall. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, that could be many. That could be Tony Kemper. That could be many I'm talking about, but uh, we're talking Dan D'Antoni. Dan D'Antoni, the basketball boss, when we continue. Plus, we'll take a look at that Marshall men's conference schedule here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The conference portion of the Marshall men's basketball schedule released today, and it starts on December 31st and January 2nd on the road at La Tech. Now, we don't have the non-conference portion yet, and I'm sure that's going to be held closer to the vest until uh, we get close to actually playing games because, again, these things are in so much flux right now. But the schedule looks like this, and, and let me remind you, the way the conference schedule is set up this year, if you are playing host to a team, you're hosting that team twice. And if you're going to be on the road, you're going to be at one location twice. So in this case, December 31st and January 2nd, Marshall will play Louisiana Tech. And then on January 7th and January 9th, Marshall will play host to Charlotte. January 13th and January 16th will be on the road and then home with Western Kentucky, your travel partner. So at Western Kentucky on the 13th and then playing host to Western Kentucky on the 16th. January 21st and January 23rd, Marshall will be at FIU. The following week, Marshall will play host to FAU January 28th and 30th. Then on February 4th and 6th, Marshall will be at ODU. The Thundering Herd will welcome Middle Tennessee on February 11th and 13th. February 18th and 20th, out to Texas to take on Rice. And then back home at the Henderson Center, February 25th and 27th, North Texas. Now, I'm sure there will be some open dates in March that might have to be used because of potential reschedules. Because, again, we don't know what is going to happen. Because keep this in mind, if a team goes out, because you have one or two. I mean, you get you get a couple positive tests on a team, even Marshall. Your team's done pretty much. 
it's a little bit different with football. You can have enough players and still have some teammates of really infected and, and not able to play, and you still have enough guys to, to get the job done yeah, still. Basketball, completely different situation, and so we don't know what it's going to look like. But Dan D'Antoni had a chance ahead of the schedule being released, spoke to the media, so he really couldn't give us details on the schedule itself, but he spoke to the media, and uh, we're a few days in getting his team ready for the season, getting their feet back with under them, and uh, here's uh, where we're at with that, according to Dan. Well, just an eagerness to play. You know, I think they've uh, committed, and hopefully you always keep your fingers crossed because you don't know where all the testing and, and what's going to happen with your team and where where COVID shows up and where it doesn't show up. But, uh, you know, they've all taken it upon themselves to be extremely cautious in uh, watching how much contact they have with people because they want to play this season and they want to uh, have a chance at uh, doing something they love to do. So. You know, I'm following their lead. I haven't been down to my restaurant in a week, you know, so uh, just trying to make sure that all of us test negative and we can keep on the court. In terms of your style, um, do you feel like that might be an advantage this year? Because there's going to be a lot of teams that, you know, even though uh, the practice period is there, there's going to be a lot of teams that don't get necessarily back into that type of basketball shape to be able to run at your all's pace. Well, we'll hope so. You know, uh, if that's the case, we'll run a little bit more today, you know. But uh, uh, the biggest thing is that, uh, and uh, like I said, experience is a funny thing. It can be a benefit, and then sometimes it can uh, lead to your downfall in that uh, you get complacent. Uh, you've done it for so long, you don't have the same – enthusiasm that you've once had. So, you know, you have to be aware of that. Sometimes people just say, well, they're experienced, they're going to play better, right? That's not a guarantee. And uh, I do think, though, what it does guarantee, they know what we're doing. And so we don't have to spend the time uh, teaching them new stuff. We're getting the uh, uh, stuff that they're familiar with. We're uh, rushing up on it, trying to do the little things and find the the little odds and ends that make it even better. So that probably gives us an advantage, but experience itself, just taking it as a whole, it's still a guessing game as to uh, whether that's going to really make a difference in your record. You look at this time last year and you all were, everybody was sort of feeling out their new role, whether it was Jared, you know, Jansen, Tavion, everybody was sort of acclimating to, you know, there's no John, there's no CJ. Do you feel like it's a lot more comfortable this year just because that's a little more solidified? Well, you know, you lost two of the most prolific scores in martial history. Most people go through a, a transition, uh, probably worse than the one we, we saw at the very beginning of the year. But uh, as we progress through the years, and most of my teams, uh, really, if you go even back to high school, because of the way we play, uh, anytime you have new parts, it takes it a while for it to get in because we give a lot of freedom for players. Uh, they have a lot of options within the offense that they determine and not me. And it takes time to develop that. Now, the plus side of that is at the end of the year, we're always or normally have been uh, as good as we ever were or better. 
which gives you a better chance at the big prize. I've always said basketball is a little different than football in that you only play 10 football, 11, 12 football games. So you have to, every game is extremely, extremely important. Basketball is really played at the tail end. And a lot of the front load games are, are to improve so that you're ready for the tail end. Now that's the way I approach it. Now this year's team is, like I said, a little bit more veteran and uh, hopefully we're gonna come out a little faster start because we didn't have to go, instead of going back to A in the alphabet, we went back to maybe M and start from M and go to Z instead of A to Z. So, you know, hopefully uh, uh, that's gonna prove out well. Uh, the schedule was, I think, uh, looks like, and I, I believe they're going to approve that in the near future here. Uh, conference is kind of set. I think it's coming out today. And uh, and, I, and the, really the out-of-conference is set other than just firming it up and making sure that uh, we don't put something out that has to change. But uh, it's pretty much firmed up and uh, just a matter of dotting the I's and crossing the T's now. Danny, what what do you think about the uh, NCAA rule that all the winter sports athletes are getting the year back. So all your basketball players get a year back no matter what. Well, that tells me they think it's going to get interrupted several times during the year, probably, that they're saying that it's not going to be a clean season, that uh, there'll be teams and players that will lose games and opportunities due to COVID. That's probably the first thing. The second thing is, uh, you know, uh, we're a veteran team already. You know, people see Jared, they're going to think uh, they he, they raised him from uh, when he started walking. But, uh, and same with Jansen. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, the good thing is I don't mind it because we got the type of young men I don't want to lose anyway. So uh, having them back is, is fine. It's, it's going to be a, a difficult situation for our athletic department in that, uh, uh, you know, if, if they all come back, you don't have a recruiting class then, or they're giving you the scholarships. You got to expand now to 17 because we have four seniors if you count George. So how do you pay for that? And then you have multiple sports, not just basketball. So that's an expensive proposition. Then once you go to 17, how do you get back to 13? You know, because the next year you'll have 13 after the four graduate that you that played the extra year. After that year, then you still have 13 people there, so you can't really recruit the next year. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe, Chuck, you're a lot smarter than me. You figure it out. That's, that's it. I mean, that's why I asked you, because it really does open up a can of worms, which you just ran through. Yeah, it does. And, 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 you know, I certainly want to give uh, our kids the opportunity if they want to come back. At the same time, you know, that eliminates the freshman class unless you go to 17. Or, you know, maybe you get one or two that maybe want to just move on with their life. But, you know, most kids we recruit love basketball. So, they, you know, if they don't have an opportunity beyond here, then they want to play basketball. They're still young. I mean, it's not like uh, they're my age and say, ooh, my knees can't take it anymore. They're still wanting to play. So, and they're good players and they're fun to watch and they're good for Marshall. So it's, um, it's unique. 
uh, situation and uh, you know I will see how it's handled I'm not sure uh, coach for you what in, what changes maybe do you anticipate coming with COVID here in terms of how your team might perform on the court not a lot again uh, you know I would say if this was my first year here and we were introducing everything and uh, it would be a much more difficult situation uh, if uh, uh, even really all the way the first two years, it would have been difficult. After that, you know, uh, sometimes, <laughs> you know, on the positive side, and I always like to go to the positive side, it might keep me from coaching too damn much and uh, let these young men uh, be a little more free of their coach and probably be better players. Uh, it was funny when we, uh, I'll give you a story back in the, and Larry McKenzie, assistant coach at Marshall, the time I played, we came back from a season we were uh, uh, semis in the uh, uh, NIT, and we started out pretty rough. I can't even remember exactly the next year. Um, we had this whole team back, uh, exactly what the uh, our record was, but it wasn't what everybody was expecting uh, with all the experience we had back and the success we had. And, and so uh, <clears throat> they had gone out that summer, coaching staff, and gone all, what Larry McKenzie said, they traveled across the country trying to get a new offense, a more structured offense for us to play that they felt we needed it. So they came back and we worked on it, and worked on it, worked on it, and we played six or seven games and the whole offense wasn't working. So from what Larry told me, uh, Bob Red and George Stone, went into uh, uh, the coach's office, Ellis, and their, their office and said, look, let's go back to the way we were. Get the ball to Danny. He'll come down the floor. We'll double drive. We'll double pick it and then just play. And when we did that, we won the rest of the games right back to the NIT. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, sometimes you can coach too much. I, I think that's the hardest thing. Uh, uh, just recently I was talking to Corny in his office and uh, – uh, I don't know which school, and I wouldn't say which school it was anyway, but uh, they had a NBA coach come in to uh, their practice, and at the end of it, a week, uh, they asked him, okay, what would you do different, or what do you think about it? And they said, uh, he said, be honest with it, y'all coach way too much. So sometimes, you know, uh, uh, having young people feel more free to play, understanding the system. But having the freedom to play within it, it's like I always said when I was back at Sox City High School, and I, I coined that phrase, uh, 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 organized chaos. It, that's what it is. People see chaos, but it's really organized. You have to understand the basic building blocks that allows that free flow that makes it look like chaos. And it's very difficult to guard when you can do that. And that takes time. That's why sometimes when you have new teams or new parts, it takes a little longer for us to smooth it out and get it the way it was last year. Uh, you can see the last one. We were six out of seven. Our, probably our best game was the very last one. And uh, that's a, a product of, of kind of how we play, the fact that we had to put new parts in. This year we don't have that. So you asked me uh, – uh, what effect COVID will have not as great now as it would have been last year or when I first got here.
Coach, you look at struggles uh, to begin the year, and and Jansen and Mike struggled mightily to to sort of find their range early. How how are they looking in practice early, and and uh, you know how do you get them out of that mentality of thinking back how difficult last year was and just moving forward? Well, they're, I think they're a little bit like me. If you are a shooter, you have a short memory. If you don't, you're going to be in trouble because all everybody has a bad day, and it can't linger. You can't – as a shooter, you can't let bad memories linger. Uh, I think the biggest thing, the reason they started out slow, one, I don't think they understood how much more load they were going to have on them without C.J. and John in the lineup. I don't think they realized how important that was going to be to them. And uh, when they uh, uh, all of a sudden got an extra load to them, it changes the rhythm. They're shooting in different places at different times and uh, not quite ready for it. But as the season went along, I think they got better and better at that. They started realizing, okay, where their shots are. And then, I, you know, in Mike's case, I had to convince him to shoot the ball more again. He's a lot like Loop when I first got him. He's a shooter that wants to play the game. I go, no, shoot first, play the game second. And uh, uh, I think as they got a little bit more comfortable with that, and Jansen started realizing that uh, I think he thought that he would help the team more just by being a shooter. And I think as the season wore on, he started realizing I've got to rebound and defend better. And that's Dan D'Antoni talking about the um, last few days getting set for the season. We will wrap it up quickly when we continue here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Back tomorrow, we're going to do it all over again. Find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. You get to vote on important things like this. Who should have got my game ball for the game on Saturday? Well, you have four choices. Artie Henry, Brendan Knox, Grant Wells, Devontae Beckett. 11% of you said Grant Wells. 20% of you said Brendan Knox. 31 of you... 31% of you said Artie Henry, and 38% said give the game ball to Devontae Beckett. I can't argue with the people. I would have voted Artie Henry, but give the ball to my guy, Devontae Beckett. 38% of you said he gets the game ball for the game, and that's going to do it for this edition. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.